0: This is a Squiz podcast. We're your shortcut to being informed. Good morning. I'm Eliza Harvey. And I'm Claire Kimball. It's Tuesday, the 18th of January. In your Squiz today, assessing the damage in Tonga, reaction to Novak Djokovic's deportation, predicting the Omicron peak, and on the hunt for Australia's best public toilet. This is your Squiz today. Australian and New Zealand planes have conducted reconnaissance missions over Tonga in the wake of the undersea volcanic eruption on Saturday afternoon. One person has died, but authorities haven't yet made contact with some coastal areas and smaller islands. And Claire, on the data that's emerged from the weekend, that blast was a whopper.
1: Absolutely huge. Mm. What experts say is that ash and gas was sent 30 kilometres into the stratosphere above the Earth. Uh, Early data suggests that it's one of the biggest eruptions on record, uh, possibly in the top 10. Uh, Experts also say that in layman's terms, it was worth about 1,000 Hiroshima bombs, that blast that happened on Saturday. Uh, Experts say that the scene would have been very apocalyptic as that ash cloud blotted out the sun. Uh, and new generation high resolution weather satellites uh, that you might have seen doing the rounds of the internet has been able to really dive into that mushroom cloud uh, and the shockwave from that uh, travelled at twice the speed of sound to hit the capital and it was also that shockwave that then created that tsunami. And Those waves were felt thousands of kilometres away. It was a really big one. It's really hard to get your
0: head around the force of that explosion. Uh, Two people in Peru have died in larger than normal waves that were recorded there on the coast as a result of uh, this explosion. Uh, Back here, the Pacifica community is anxiously awaiting news from home about the damage. Right now, aid agencies are focusing on sending food parcels and securing clean water for affected communities, Claire.
1: Yeah, the way it works in Tonga is that 80% of, of those there grow crops to meet their daily needs. So having clean water and having access to the earth so that they can grow their food and live their lives is a really important thing. So there's quite a bit of work to do there and also a lot that's not known. And aid agencies are also in that information vacuum waiting to hear what they need to do next.
0: And that information vacuum is a result of the undersea communications cable that connects Tonga to the world. That's been damaged, but authorities are hoping to restore that in coming days. The Australian Open Grand Slam is underway in Melbourne without men's world number one Novak Djokovic, who was deported on Sunday night, creating quite the reaction
1: here and abroad, Claire. He's arrived home in Serbia uh, this morning and he's arrived to a hero's welcome at that airport. We'll no doubt see lots of pictures of that this morning and through the day. Uh, what Prime Minister Scott Morrison said yesterday is that Djokovic had no right to enter Australia without being vaccinated, but a door has been left open for his return without having to wait out that three-year ban. Uh, what the government says is if he's able to put forward a case to come back into the country before that three year uh, period waits out, then they're all ears. They're really waiting to hear from that, but that of course means that he would need to be vaccinated. Also popping up overnight is a fair bit of commentary about what it means for Djokovic and the French Open, uh, which is a bit later this year. France has just introduced a raft of new laws that require people to be vaccinated if they're going to enter venues, including sporting venues. And of course, the Australian Open was underway in earnest yesterday.
0: Ash Barty absolutely ripped through her round one match last night. And Aussie wildcard Alexander Vucic looked just as surprised as the crowd moments after he claimed his first big tournament win in four sets over South Africa's Lloyd Harris. Claire, the Federal Health Minister, Greg Hunt, says there are signs that the peak in the Omicron wave might have arrived, or at least we're close. But the top doctors in New South Wales and Victoria say even if that's right, a surge in hospitalisations and deaths is still to come.
1: Yeah, of course, this is how COVID works, isn't it? There's the numbers being reported of infections, and then we've got a few days or weeks to wait to see how that plays out Uh, in terms of hospitalisations and those who might unfortunately need to go into intensive care. Uh, What they say is that infections seem to be running pretty hot, but there have been some reductions in numbers in those big states uh, in the last few days. What the international experience is is that there is an absolute blast of cases and then it falls away very quickly. So some encouraging signs that maybe this wave is heading towards being over.
0: Yes, and as this all unfolds, getting hold of a rapid test is still a big thing. The Consumer Regulator has warned retailers selling tests for more than $20 that they must urgently explain the inflated price tag. And if you are keen on knowing which test to buy, when indeed you can find one, the Medicines Regulator has released a list. We'll put a link to that in your episode notes. The charity Oxfam has released a revealing report about global inequality. It says that during the first year of the pandemic, the rich got very rich, while 160 million people
1: dropped below the poverty line. So when you look at the world's wealthiest men, uh, the top 10 of that list, the likes of Elon Musk and Mark Zuckerberg and Jeff Bezos and that kind of crowd, they doubled their wealth from March 2020 to October last year. Uh, They were worth about $700 billion at the start of their pandemic. They're now worth more than $1.5 trillion. The pandemic has been very kind to them. So what Oxfam says is that when you look at that widening wealth gap, a lot more needs to be done to pull the poorest up uh, and that that gap is ever increasing and uh, maybe even things like a wealth tax on the billionaires' COVID windfall gains could be something to rectify that imbalance.
0: Yes, and that report coincides with the opening of the Davos World Economic Forum in Switzerland. That's a ski resort for the rich and famous. This year, though, the event will be hosted online again due to COVID. Claire, many of us read the diary of Anne Frank at school. It's the first-hand account of a Jewish teenager and her family who hid from the Nazis in occupied Holland in the early 1940s. And now a team made up of historians and other experts have spent six years using modern investigative techniques
1: to crack the case about who gave them up. They jumped on their computers, they set up algorithms, and what they did was look at connections between people. Uh, and thousands of man hours uh, have been cracked by an algorithm uh, that looks at exactly who was around the Frank family and who remained after they went into a concentration camp along with many other Jewish people from Amsterdam what they now say is that a man called Arnold Vanderberg is the most likely figure uh, to have given up the Frank family and that's because while he was part of Amsterdam's Jewish council which was a body that was forced to to implement Nazi policies uh, in Jewish areas. Uh, It was disbanded and the members were dispatched to those concentration camps, but the Vanderberg family remained in Amsterdam, uh, free to live their lives. Wow, absolutely
0: fascinating story. And I think one that many around the world will be really keen to read. The Anne Frank House Museum said it was a fascinating hypothesis that merits further research. Claire, a big change of pace now because we're in the middle of summer here in Australia, and if you're on a driving holiday, particularly one with kids, you know the importance of a good, clean loo.
1: And now The Guardian Australia is on the hunt for our best public toilet. Yep. I bet, Eliza, in your journalism career, you never thought you'd have to transition from Anne Frank to public toilets, but
0: here (laughs) we are. It's quite the segue. It (laughs) may have been beyond me, but I must say that um, in 15 years of journalism, finding a good public
1: toilet was a very, very important <laughs> search. <laughs> Absolutely. And I think you're right. Anyone who has been on a road uh, in the last few weeks over the festive season, uh, you will be reminded exactly how important a good toilet is. And uh, But The Guardian is on that search for the best public toilet. There are some who have already come forward to say that there are some pretty spectacular ones about uh, at some really spectacular sites like the peak of Mount Kosciusz. Cozios- and uh, also in the Top End and in Outback WA. So some pretty impressive locations. Really looking forward to see how this vote goes forward. And according to travel blogger Marion Halliday,
0: who's put a list together for some of the contenders, there are two key factors that make an excellent public toilet. It's got to be clean and it's got to have toilet paper. Never a truer word spoken there, Claire. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for your company today. We'll be back tomorrow. gpn.com forward slash squiz today.